Good morning. It's great to see you. If we've never met, my name is Jay. I'm part of the team here. We're so thrilled you're here. Everybody out in the tent watching online, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to jump into the teaching here in a moment, but before we do, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a moment for us to just pause. Uh, you know, you've probably been following the news, and we are on, uh, we were uh, on the precipice, and now we've sort of crossed that precipice uh, into war in um, Europe, and uh, it's confusing, and it's heartbreaking. I just got an email last night from someone who's a, who's a member of our family here who has family in Ukraine, and... Um, you know, this is at our doorstep, you guys. It's not just on CNN or Fox News or whatever. This is affecting real people in our community and right here in our church. Um, I want to show you a photo of some Christians in Ukraine this past week gathering in town square in the midst of war, surrounded by the sound of missiles and gunfire, gathering to pray. Um, they say that upwards of 70% of Ukraine are Christians. And so what we want to do in this moment right now is just join our brothers and sisters. We are all a part of the same family, and I just want to pray. Uh, I want to read for us a part of this psalm that has been so helpful for me. Um, it sounds impossible, but it's been helpful, Psalm 46. And then I want to pray briefly, uh, not just for our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine, but for all people in Ukraine and all people around the world who are in turmoil because of violence and war and death. So close your eyes and let's just pray together. Psalm 46, verses 9 to 11. says that God makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God, we ask that you would make this war cease, that you would break bows and shatter spears, that you would burn shields with fire, and that we and the people of Ukraine would learn to be still in the midst of the chaos and know that you are God, that you are with us, and that you are our fortress. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, Kayvon Tarani, our global compassion pastor and our Go Board, uh, were able to send a significant amount of money because of your generosity just this past week to some missionaries in Ukraine, and that money is going um, directly to provide food and water for many who've been displaced and many who are in transition trying to leave the country. So we just want you to know, when you give here, uh, it allows our team to be able to respond in small ways in the, with the love of Jesus. And so thank you for that. Um, let's continue praying. Amen? Amen. Um, we are continuing a series today that we started last week that Steve kicked off. If you were here last week or you watched the service online, first of all, just aside from the series, didn't it feel like Steve again? He was yelling and screaming at you. <laughs> and just like you were, you were wondering, is he mad or excited? I don't know. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's the Steve. We know and love, and so uh, so good, Steve, that you're back to full strength, and um, not so good for my ears when I listened to the podcast. It was a lot of yelling, but I was really inspired and motivated, so so good, so good. Steve kicked us off in Matthew chapter 3, and today we're going to continue in that chapter, 
and you came on a very special day because you noticed the baptism tank. So we are going to party today at the end of the service. We're going to celebrate new life. But to do that, we are going to land at a very particular baptism story in Matthew chapter 3. And to do that, I want to tell you a story. When I was in, I think, third grade, I got invited to a birthday party at Raging Waters. And, and everyone know where Raging Waters is? Okay. It's like a big water park here in San Jose. And, um, you know, I'm like seven or eight years old or something. And at Raging Waters at the time, it was a long time ago, they had one sort of big giant pool that almost looked like a lake. And then there was like an island in the middle of the lake. And then there were all of these ropes where you would hang on and sort of work your way to the island in the middle of the lake. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like seven of you? Okay. <laughs> so... I, all my friends, like we get into Raging Waters, all my friends jump up on the rope and they're going to the island. So, you know, I'm like seven or eight. I'm like, of course, that's, that's where my friends are going. I'm going to go too. So I jump up. I start making my way across toward the island. But I was like this skinny, weak little kid. And I lost my grip and plummet right into the water. And it was in that moment, you guys, that I realized I don't know how to swim. I thought I had known how to swim. The apartment where I lived, we had a little swimming pool in the complex, and I was in there like all the time. I love the water. To this day, I love being in the water, but I realized in that moment, oh, I've never swam in the deep end. I've only like waded in the shallow waters of the shallow end. And so I'm not kidding. I distinctly remember thinking to myself, this is it. Like it's been a solid seven, eight year run. <laughs> And here I go, like, here I go to be with the Lord, which I, I wasn't actually thinking that. I don't think I was a Christian at the time. I just thought this is it, like, here I go into the grave, right? And then all of a sudden, I just feel these two strong, manly hands under my armpit, and this, this golden bronze god of a lifeguard <laughs> lifts me up out of the water and just like lifts me high like Simba in the Lion King, right? And I can hear the music like new life, and, you know? And uh, he lifts me up and he plops me down. He's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he like walks off and I'm like coughing up water and um I still remember that. That was like 30-something years ago, and I remember it vividly. I remember it because I really thought I was going to die. And that's the interesting thing about water. Without it, we die. But also in it, we can die. You know what I'm saying? Like water is life, but water can also be death. Now, I share that with you because um, going back to the book of Matthew, and the story of Jesus. And remember, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi who was born into a Jewish world in the first century. And here's what you need to know about the Jewish world. To this day, actually, the Jewish people are not seafaring people, right, generally speaking. And so um, in their worldview, in the Jewish worldview, open water especially, like the, the seas and the oceans, um, particularly at the time of Jesus, and especially in the time leading up to Jesus, in the stories that we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Jewish people, they considered the ocean or the seas or large bodies of water like lakes and rivers, they considered water to be a symbol of death and chaos and destruction. Water for the Jewish people at the time of Jesus especially symbolized 
death and chaos and destruction. Now, why do I share that with you? Because understanding that about the Jewish worldview actually gives us tremendous insights into some incredibly important Old Testament stories, which will eventually lead us to the story we are in today in Matthew chapter 3. Throughout the Old Testament, what you and I call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, there is story after story after story of God leading his people through large bodies of water to bring rescue and healing and renewal. Story after story of God leading his people through bodies of water, through the waters of death, and leading them to rescue and healing and renewal. Let me just show you a few examples. Uh, if you've been around church for a while, you're gonna recognize these. If you're new to church one, we're thrilled you're here. We're so glad you're here. It's okay if you've never heard these stories before. You'll, you'll see what I'm getting at here just by reading the text. First, you have the story of the flood, just as an example. You, some of you know the story of the flood. Genesis chapter seven, for 40 days, the flood kept coming. Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind, everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. And then only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. And so in this early Genesis story, you see a flood wipe out the earth, death, chaos, destruction. And then God, through the waters of death, chaos, and destruction, rescues a man named Noah and his family in an ark. Let me show you another story, famous story from Exodus, uh, the crossing of the Red Sea when the Israelites are running from the Egyptians. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So again, the Israelites think they're gonna die in these oceans, this water, and God parts the water and leads them through the waters of death and destruction and chaos and rescues them. Another story in Joshua, shortly after that, the crossing of the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and it piled up in a heap a great distance away. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Again, the people are trying to enter the promised land. There is a river that blocks them from doing so. And what does God do? He parts, he opens the waters, and the people of God pass through the waters into rescue, renewal, healing, the new land. Here's a more personal story. It's about a man named Naaman, who's a military man, and he suffers from a, a disease, a, debilita a debilitating disease called leprosy. And he goes to see a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha says, go to the Jordan River and dip yourself in the water and see what happens. This is 2 Kings chapter 5. He, Naaman, went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times as the man of God, that's Elisha, the prophet, had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. 
And so this man is suffering from this debilitating disease. A prophet tells him to go dip himself, dunk himself in the Jordan River. He does so, and he is healed. Again, he goes into the waters and receives healing. These are just four out of several other stories I could tell you from what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, where God takes people to waters which seem to represent death and destruction and chaos, and somehow in his grace and in his mercy and in his power, he leads people to rescue and renewal and healing through the waters, which brings us to Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. Oh, this is a river we've seen a couple of times. He came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist, his cousin. Um, Steve taught about him last Sunday. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So John knows, like, his cousin Jesus is not just some guy. He understands the significance of who Jesus really is. And he says, I can't baptize you. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Okay, what is happening here? There's a lot happening here. First, why does Jesus need to be baptized? If you heard Steve's teaching last Sunday, this question ought to confuse you a little bit. Because last Sunday, Steve talked about the the idea of repentance. That repentance is a turning away, a changing of the mind, a shift in your life's orientation away from the sinful things, the broken things, um, the selfish things, and toward a life in God. And that John the Baptist's invitation to the people was repent and be baptized. And so this is confusing. Why is Jesus baptized? Because what we've been told and what is actually true is that Jesus is sinless. He has nothing to repent of. But he gives us the answer. John the Baptist says, I can't baptize you, no way. And Jesus says, no, 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 we have to do this because why? To fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is baptized for a reason that is different than the reason any of us are baptized. We are baptized in, as, as a symbolism, as a way to sacredly mark the moment that we are repenting of our old life, dying to the old life, and being raised anew in the waters of baptism in the life of Jesus that he has to offer us. But think about it this way. Repentance is only one side of the coin, or a better way, repentance is simply the first word. It is not the last word. Because we repent in order that as we turn away from the things of sin and brokenness, we turn toward God. But as we turn toward God, that ought to lead us to something, yes? We don't just repent of the old things without some sort of new thing before us. And that new thing before us can be described in a number of ways, but in this story, Jesus gives us the answer 
to his own baptism, which is the last word. If repentance is the first word, then the last word is righteousness. We repent of the old life, the sinful life, the brokenness of our lives, in order that we might turn toward God, and as Jesus emblematically symbolizes in his own baptism, we live toward the righteousness that is offered to us by Jesus. What is righteousness? I mean, if you were here with us for um, the Abraham series, we did like weeks and weeks on this word. So I'll try to summarize here as succinctly as I can. It essentially means living in rightness or right relationship with God and with the world. To love God, one another, and our neighbors, which are the values of our church family. And so Jesus is baptized to sort of put the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence that repentance begins. John the Baptist says to all the people, repent and be baptized. And then Jesus is baptized in order that as we repent and are baptized, we might reach and experience the righteousness, the living rightness that he offers us, that only he can offer us. And so the invitation was, remember, to repent and be baptized. Repentance comes before baptism, and baptism signifies and sacredly symbolizes the decision. This is key. This is key because you are going to experience later in the service, at the end of the service, some people in our church being baptized. Here's what you need to know. Baptism itself doesn't save you. Baptism is, again, the sacred, significant symbolization of the decision to repent of your old life. We are immersed in the waters of death, which symbolize that we are putting to death our old lives. And then we rise anew in the waters of life, the life of righteousness that Jesus offers us. And turning toward Christ through repentance, that's what saves us. It's by way of a committed, stated desire for a new beginning with God. That's what baptism is. It is the public proclamation and declaration that I am putting my old life to death and I desire a new life, a righteous life, a new beginning in Christ. One theologian puts it this way, that as Jesus is baptized along with others at the Jordan, he is identified with all those who by accepting John the Baptist's baptism have declared their desire for a new beginning with God. And what happens at Jesus' baptism, what happens in that scene actually reveals the power and the beauty of this new beginning. Let me show you. Let's read it again, verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Okay, what is happening here? Strange scene. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. He comes up out of the water. Heaven rips open. And then the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus, it says, like a dove. Interesting. Let's go to the very beginning of the Bible. Literally the opening lines. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is the very beginning of the biblical story and the human story. When the world is just wild and waste and chaos, God creates goodness and order and meaning and purpose. That's the creation story. And it tells us that in the creation story, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, right? You see that? Hovering over the waters. The word hovering is the Hebrew word rahaf. And the word rahaf in Hebrew doesn't mean like hovering like a hoverboard from back to the future too. It actually means flutter, as in the fluttering of the wings of a bird. That's literally what the word rahaf means. It describes when a bird flaps its wings. Because of this, in the first century, at the time of Jesus, this is kind of nerdy, but it's important. There were these things called targums. And you don't need to know a lot about it. Here's what you need to know. Targums were Aramaic translations of the Old Testament. Aramaic was the the spoken word, the spoken language in the first century world. So at the time of Jesus, they would write in Hebrew or in Greek, but they would speak in Aramaic. And so Targums were like Old Testament translations that were spoken in Aramaic. And one of the most popular Targum translations of Genesis 1 and 2 went like this. The earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the deep, and the Spirit of God was fluttering over the waters like a dove. And so at the time of Jesus, when the Jewish rabbis would orally, verbally speak the words of scripture, when they would begin at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, what they would essentially say was, in the beginning, everything was empty and formless and there was darkness, but then the Spirit of God fluttered over the waters like a dove. That was the language they used to describe how God brings creation about. And so why does Matthew say in his telling of Jesus' baptism that when Jesus is baptized, the heavens ripped open and the Spirit of God descended like a dove? If you were a first century Jewish person, what would you think to yourself? Oh, I know this story. I've seen this before. This is when God created a good world before sin ruined everything. So what is Jesus' baptism about? It is essentially new creation, a new beginning. Everything that sin ruined and tore apart and threw upside down, Jesus has come. And remember, before there was sin, God fluttered over the waters of darkness like a dove. Now Jesus has come. And that same God, his spirit is descending like a dove. He is making everything new again. J.I. Packer, the great theologian, puts it this way. Christian baptism signifies union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And this union with Christ is the source of every element in our salvation. Baptism signifies a watershed point in a human life because it signifies a new creational engrafting into Christ's risen life. 
Jesus's baptism in Matthew chapter three is putting on full display with big, bright, blinking lights that the same God who created a good world at the beginning of the story is now recreating out of the mess that we have made because of sin and brokenness through his son, Jesus. That same God who created a good world in the beginning is now in the midst of our pain and sin and brokenness. He is recreating a good new world. And you can live in that good new world if you want it. That's the invitation. That's baptism. Every person you see immersed and rising out of the waters today, it is a reminder to you that their story is now engrafted into a story that began at the beginning of time. That the same God who looked over the darkness of this chaotic thing called planet Earth and brought about meaning and purpose and goodness and joy, that same God is doing that same work in every life, immersed and rising anew from these waters. And maybe that's you. Maybe you need a new beginning. Maybe when you look at your own life, your life feels like darkness and chaos and wild and waste and disorder and destruction and even death. Maybe you look out at the ocean that is before you, the ocean of fear and anxiety and uncertainty, and you think to yourself, there is no way I can make it through this. Remember, there is a God in heaven who is in the business of parting waters for you. That's baptism. This um, Wednesday, as Ben mentioned, we are um, beginning our Lenten journey to the cross. And it begins with Ash Wednesday prayer service. And Ben already mentioned this, but I got to mention it again because we miss this part. There is no resurrection without death. Nobody rises from those waters until they dip down deep into the waters first. And so if something feels like death to you, death is not the executioner. Death is just for the Christian. Death is just the gardener tilling the soil for resurrection. And if you need that, I would invite you first, join us this Wednesday at seven o'clock here, I think in the theater for our Ash Wednesday prayer service. Secondly, I would say um, in a moment, we're gonna celebrate the baptism of some folks in our church. And uh, we got folks being baptized at our other campuses today. Our 1115 service, I think there's like eight or nine people being baptized at that service. It's an incredible day. But here's um, one thing I want to do. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you've never been baptized. And you didn't know that there were baptisms today. But maybe there's something stirring in your heart. Maybe right now you're like, you know what, I need a new beginning. You know what, I've never publicly proclaimed and declared the new life I have in Jesus. If that is you, be baptized. Like, that's the command, repent and be baptized. 
So if that's you, even if you're like, I didn't come ready, I'm just wearing my khakis or my slacks or whatever, we have like extra clothes and extra towels for you. So if you so feel moved by the Spirit, you're like, you know what, I gotta be baptized today, there's room for you. So as we sing the next couple of songs, if you so feel moved, if you feel the Spirit of God stirring in you, I've never been baptized, but I need to be baptized, then just go into the prayer room. We have a team of folks in there. They'll get you situated, ask you some questions, get you what you need, and let's get baptized today. This is not a guilt trip. This is not a ploy. Only do this if you really, truly feel moved by the Spirit of God to make that decision today. This isn't like a lighthearted, casual, oh, yeah, maybe. Sounds fun. No. I mean, this is a public proclamation and declaration that you, have, you are dying to the old life and rising anew in Christ. But if that's you, then join us in the prayer room during these next couple of songs, and we'd love to baptize you today. Uh, last summer, um, Jenny and I were uh, in Santa Cruz with our kids, and um, my kids are like me. They love the water. Jenny does not. She's the she, she's, she's like out on the shore, and then me and the two kids usually. And I'm out uh, in the water with my daughter, Harper. She was like five or six at the time. And she loves being in the water. But she had one of those moments, the first moment that we've all had at the ocean, where she had her back turned to the waves. And she's playing and splashing around, and I'm watching her. And then I just see, I see this big, giant wave coming down, like, it's like, it's like rushing down toward her. And I was gonna go and grab her and I thought to myself, no. <laughs> like every kid needs to experience this. I mean, I wasn't gonna let her like, you know, get seriously injured or something, but I was like, this is probably pretty important. You know, like you gotta know, like this is serious. The ocean is serious. So this wave overtakes her. She gets knocked off her feet her face in the sand and the water. She's spitting up sand and water, salt water out of her mouth, and she's crying. And I hold her in my arms and I say, yeah, you gotta watch out, like the waves are intense. And she said these words to me. She said, daddy, I thought I died. I thought I died, daddy. And then I said back to her, but you didn't. You're alive. That's baptism. Sometimes it feels like death to let go of the old life. But you will come alive in ways that you cannot imagine if you would give the old life away and take hold of the new life, the righteousness that awaits you in Christ. Amen? We're gonna sing uh, and then we're gonna baptize you guys. And if you feel like today is your day, join us in the prayer room. There's room for you. We'll be here. If there's a hundred of you, we'll baptize a hundred of you. Um, there won't be a hundred of you. But if there are, great, amazing day. And we'll just figure it out with the next service. And maybe there's no one. And maybe we'll just celebrate those who are being baptized in this service. Either way, I just want to make room. If you feel like, man, today's your day, join us in the prayer room. And we'd love to baptize you. Let's sing together. Let's worship and respond, and then we'll continue, and we're going to party and celebrate you.